We've been on this, I would, if I'd have known it was this many weeks, it would have been a series, but it's just been a group of messages that have all come together. And it started when we talked about fear and we talked about the, the world we live in, all the stuff that's going on. And we talked about how to just walk free and how to, how to overcome when we face fear, how to overcome when we face difficulties and, and how, do we, how do we make it in a world that's falling apart. And we talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus. We talked about having a godly perspective. Last week, we talked about the fact of allowing the Lord to help us see him, to help us see clear what's going on and not just see what we want to see in our natural eyes because when you just look naturally, you can see a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, just turmoil. But when you look through the eyes of God and when you see the way God sees, you see a whole different perspective. You, see, you still see hope. With all that's going on, you still see hope. And so in the last couple of weeks, as I was just studying throughout the different messages, the Lord had been speaking to me, and, and we're going to talk about it this week, that I, we've spent a lot of time talking about how we can have hope and how we can have peace and how we can have strength and we can, we can be people of faith and stand against fear and all the different things that come our way. And when we do face times of fear, that we know how to just continue to hold on, believe God. But... It's, he's been speaking to me a little bit about, listen, there's other people that need hope that aren't in this building right now. There's people that need Jesus all around us. And if I was to ask you to think of one person that you know right now that needs Jesus, I guarantee pretty much all of us could say yes. We could think of a person right now. Now, there's so many people that think that they're in a great place, but without Jesus, they're not in a great place, and they don't have hope. And I believe that one of the things that God wants to do today is speak to us about not holding on to hope ourselves, but passing it on, helping other people. Listen, when, as far as reaching the lost and sharing, listen, you can't reach the lost in the sense of yourself. You can't. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that draws people. It's Jesus that draws people. But we are tools and conduits that God wants to use to flow strength and power through. There's people that, that experience things because they saw something happen in other people. There is, thing, there is people that came to Jesus out of something that they saw or heard. A miraculous thing when, when uh, in Acts chapter 3, when... Uh, the layman was healed. P Peter saw an opportunity to share with him about the power of God. And, and thousands of people got saved that day because they had experienced and seen a miraculous thing. So I want to make sure that I communicate today that our best form of evangelism is the way you live your life. So in no way is today about, okay, from now on, you need to go and talk to this many people, this many times, and you need this, you know, it's, it's on you. You better go save those people because you can't save them. But you know what you can do? You can give them the same hope you've been given. You can give them the comfort that you've been given and the peace that God has given you. You can extend that to others. If someone is hurting, you have the answer. If someone is without hope, you have hope. Someone told me one time that evangelism is, is basically this. It's one hungry person telling the other hungry person where the food is. That's really all it is. So if I know, hey, there's food over here, and if I know you're hungry, I can just tell you, hey, this will satisfy you. 
And that's what the Lord wants to speak to us today. So let's look at a couple of scriptures just to know that this is, this is part of the heart of the Father. Luke 19.10 says this, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. The whole purpose that Jesus came was to seek and save the lost. Sometimes we look at that and we, and we know that, that he, he came to die for our sins and, and, and all that. But listen, you were lost. You were lost. Jesus came, paid the price for your freedom. He, he made a way for you to be free and to be saved. That was the whole reason he came. But he did not come just to die for you, but for the world. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whole world. So that, that neighbor you don't like, it's part of the world. Right? That person that pulled out in front of you, they're part of the world. They need to be saved. Trust me, it'll help their driving. They need Jesus. I don't honk anymore. I just say, man, they need Jesus. Some people need Jesus driving like that. Well, I, I maybe honk once in a while, but not much. I'm just kidding. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really s- slow about his promise, as some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. This is talking about when Jesus comes again. Listen, God's not up there just like, uh, I'm so tired. I don't feel like calling him up here right now. He's not like that. You know why? You know why he's patient? Because he wants more people to experience him. He wants more people in his family. He wants more people to come to know Jesus. And here's the reality. You have Jesus. You have what people are looking for. You do. And, and a lot of times we, we feel so inadequate and we feel like, oh, I don't know how to witness to somebody. And we're going to talk about in, in, in a minute of how to do that. But it's not what you think. It's not a formula. Your life is a testimony. The whole reason why we talk about scripture after scripture after scripture is because if you get healthy and you begin to allow the word of God to flow in you and your light becomes brighter and brighter and brighter, then it stands out more and more and more when you're out there in the dark. And people will see it and they'll wonder. You're not going to have to. See, I personally believe you're not going to have to go around yelling that you're a Christian for people to come try to Figure out what it's all about. Matter of fact, if you do that, they're probably not going to come near you. Uh, I think it's Rick Warren. He says there's two reasons why people don't receive Jesus. These are deep. Are you ready? The first one, they've never met a Christian. The second one, they met a Christian. <laughs> think about it. It's the truth. It's the truth. They've never met a Christian, which means they didn't know, or they met one and thought, if that's what it's about, not me. And that's why we, we spend so much time here. I'll never forget, I was in a uh, uh, church planning kind of conference thing. And, and I say conference, it was uh, a guy they had flown in that done all this church planning conference stuff and uh, some district staff and different people. And then it was me and another church planner. It was just two of us. And I was like... There's only two people. I don't know if you call that a conference, you know. 
But it was, it was kind of one of those that were just, they invited a few people just to talk about. We had both recently planted churches, and they wanted to just talk about it. So they came down, they gave us these books to read and all this stuff. And then the one guy, he asked me, he said, uh, well, he asked the other guy first. He said, what is your strategy for evangelism? And this guy had a great strategy. You know, we're going door to door, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this. And, you know, we do a special uh, thing out in the park, we do a special thing. And none of that is bad. Okay, so hear me say that. That's all good. And then he asked me, he said, what is your what is your strategy for evangelism? And I said, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he just looked at me like, no, I mean like strategy as far as getting out. And, you know, he goes, because cause the, the, they're not going to come to the church. And I was like, right. So I'm going to equip the saints to go to them. And, then, and so we got in this discussion, and it was really a healthy discussion. Because then, I, because one of the things the Lord was speaking to me, and I'm not saying we'll never do anything or go out there and, you know, give away stuff and talk about Jesus. I'm not saying we'll never do that. That's great for people to do that. But you know what? You can only give somebody what you have. And however healthy you are is how much health you're going to be able to help somebody else with. If you understand the things of God, you don't have to have it all together. Just know this is what God's been doing in my life, and you share that with somebody else. But the biggest thing is they're going to watch you. They're going to see. And it's not about doing evangelism as a work to try to please God. It's got to flow out of a life fully surrendered to the Lord. That's what's really going to bring change. Not just telling people what you need to do, but living it out so they see it modeled for them. Then they'll follow you. They'll follow you. People want what you have. When they see you have hope, they're going to want it. They're going to want it. When they see that you can, you can be at peace when everything's falling apart, they're going to ask questions. But if you're over there screaming and hollering with the rest of them, we're going down. It's a mess. Run. Jesus, hurry. Then they're not going to want what you have because you're just like them. You're scared and you're nervous and you're fearful. And, and, and we need to get our lives focused on God. So I'm, I'm telling you this up front because as we talk about our heart for the lost, it's not, a, it's not a checklist. I'm not asking you to leave here and start trying to win the lost. I'm saying look at your own life and say, Lord, help me to be the kind of person that lives their life in a way that other people see you. And they want that. Help me give people hope just by the way I live. And when I need to open my mouth and, and talk, I will. But that I'm living it out. All right? Have you ever been lost? Anybody ever been lost? That is a horrible feeling. I'm not talking about lost in the car, like, oh, I took a wrong turn. I'm talking about lost. I went on a mission trip to Nicaragua. All right? I was the youth pastor. We had youth. We had probably about 40 people. And we had some youth, and I was there with them. We had some adults, a couple of pastors. We're all on this trip. And we're driving on the bus, and we go down all these dirt roads, and, and we go to this place that we're building an orphanage. And uh, so we're building this orphanage. So we go there every day, and while they're building it, some of us are playing games with the kids, and we're doing all kinds of different stuff. And so we're at this thing. Well, whenever we would leave that day to get on the bus, all these kids would try to jump on the back of the bus and ride back to where we're going. Uh, because they didn't have homes and they wanted 
They wanted to be with us. And uh, so it was really sad because there was actually one particular day that one of them actually got on the back of a bus and rode for miles and miles, hanging on to the back door. Probably a nine-year-old kid. That's dangerous. But that's how desperate they were. So we're in Nicaragua. We're there, and because I was uh, bigger than everybody else, I was the guy that had to keep everybody off the back of the bus. So this particular day, um, we're getting ready to leave, and I'm telling all the kids, hey, y'all stay here. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay here. Stay here. So the bus starts to pull forward, and then what I do is I keep the kids away. The bus gets far enough up. I run, jump on the bus, and then we take off. So this particular day, you know, I'm like, all right, kids, you got to, you know, stay here. No mas, no mas. I'm trying to use my two words of Spanish, you know, no mas, that's all. Uh, and I'm just saying that. So, so all of a sudden I turn around. And the bus starts driving up, so I'm just keeping them back, keeping them back. And I turn around, and the bus doesn't stop. And I'm like, you're missing a pastor. Hello? The bus just goes. And they go. And I waited, and they never came back. I'm in Nicaragua. I don't know Spanish. There's not street signs. There's no GPS. There's nothing. These people are looking at me, and I'm like, hey, where am I going to stay? What's going to I mean, I started getting nervous. I am lost in Nicaragua. <laughs> so here's what happens. I just start heading down a dirt road where the bus went. I don't, know, I don't know all the turns to make, but I just started heading that way in case maybe it got around the corner and realized, hey, we're missing Pastor Scott. So I get all the way around towards the corner, and there's nobody. And I am literally inside. I am just, and all of a sudden, I see this kid on a bike. And I'm like, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to steal, but I got to find that bus. (laughs) Y'all love me, right? (laughs) Right? I was scared. Now, it's not that bad of a story, but I went up to this. this, I was like, hey, 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 me. Because, you know, when you don't know Spanish, you play charades. I'm like, me. So he gets off the bike with a little assistance. He gets off the bike, and then I tell him he can sit on the handlebars. So he gets on the handlebars, because I didn't want to steal his bike, but I would have. And because um, I would have prayed and said, Lord, forgive me, but I got to get home. You should have spoke to them to stop the bus. That's your fault. So anyway, I start riding this bike, and this guy's with me, and, I, and I'm like, uh, Iglesia, Iglesia, or which is church, I believe, somewhere close to that. So I'm like, Iglesia, and it's a four-square church. So I'm like, Iglesia, cuatro. He's, so I'm thinking four churches. He's going to take me to four churches, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it took, this, it took a while, and all of a sudden I see this guy, no shirt, big old guy. He comes walking out, and he's talking in Spanish, and I was like, oh, no. He, this is probably his dad. You stole my kid's bike, you know? And I'm like, oh. So then I told him, I was like, Iglesia, cuatro. And he's like, Iglesia Quandralar or something. I was like, yeah, I think. You know, I don't know. So he goes, come here. And he starts running. So I'm pedaling. This, this kid's just like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And, and I just pedal. And he, sure enough, he actually took me all the way and pointed the church. And in front of the church is the bus. And everything was like, Whew. But I'm telling you, when you're lost inside, you're a wreck. On the outside, you want to act like you got it together, 
But inside, that is a horrible feeling. And the Lord wants to give us a heart for those people who on the inside, they can't find their way. They're stuck. They're, they're, they're trapped. They have no sense of direction. They have no sense of anything. And God is saying, listen, you can take them to me. You can bring them to me and they'll find what they're looking for. And we have to allow the Lord to help us to have that kind of heart to know, listen, people need Jesus. And I, I promise you this statement is correct when I say it. People want Jesus. And we think that because what we see on the outside, that they don't want anything to do. I'm telling you, inside, they're lost, and they know it. But they don't understand what they're lost from. They don't understand what they're missing, but they know something's not settled. Because everybody has been created in the image of God. And until they have that relationship, it's unsettled. It's unsettled. And we need to, we need to ask the Lord to help us to have a heart. To see those people, to see the people that are around us and not go by what we see on the outside, but look deeper and say, God, inside, they're struggling. They're trying to find their way. And we know the answer. I have it in your notes. We know that Jesus is the answer. Acts 4, 12 says salvation only comes from him. It's not found in anyone else. Okay? No salvation is in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's only through Jesus. Um, let's keep going. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. And see, people don't know that. There's some people that think, you know, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person, so that's, what, that's all I need. I want to help you today. If you're a good person, you're still not good enough to measure to the standard of Jesus. But because of Jesus, as soon as you receive Jesus, you are made right and you're in right standing with God. It's not about performance, but it takes a relationship with Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So people are looking everywhere. People are looking everywhere. They're looking to alcohol. They're looking to drugs. They're looking for everything they can to find that fulfillment, to find that place that's a void in their life. And they're not finding it because it's only in Jesus. We have the answer. Think about it this way. If you were, if you were on the other side and you were lost, wouldn't you want someone to help you? When I got back to that church, I went straight to our, our team. And I went straight to one of the pastors. And I said, you better make sure that never happens again. Think, I mean, I'm saying thank God it was me and not a, a, a young person or a, a child. But at the same time, I'm thinking, no, thank God it was me. No, it shouldn't have been me either. It just shouldn't have been. That's a horrible feeling. When you realize, if you, if, if, if you realize I'm gone, come find me. But you know what? Nobody realized. Nobody realized. Because we get caught up in our own little thing. And we come, and don't get me wrong, we, can, we need to be here. This is, this is your gas station to come get filled up, to go do what God's called you. This is not what your life is all about. 
This is where you come to get equipped to go live your life. This is your, listen, why would you, why would you say all of a sudden, you know, I'm just not going to the gas station no more. Then guess what? You're not going to drive real long. This right here, this isn't about just attendance, checking off a list. It's not about being, make sure you're here all the time, every time. But I'm telling you, this is important because in order for you to reach the lost and allow God to use you to make a difference in people's lives, you got to keep getting fed. You got to keep building yourself up and being around other people that are embracing, encouraging, and equipping you so you can continue to do what God's called you to do outside these walls. Because that's really what this is. This is happening inside of here. But this also is supposed to happen outside. So we got to make sure that we allow the Lord to help us. Here's where it starts to me. If, if right now you, you haven't even thought about how many people that don't have what you have in the sense of Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. But I want you to know, I would ask that we would just pray. That the Lord would give us a heart for people. That he would give us a heart for people that are hurting, people that are struggling. And I'm telling you, a lot of the people that get on our last nerve are some of the people that are hurting the worst, but are, are, are seeking the hardest. Ask the Lord to help us. Look at this scripture in, in Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for who? All people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Let's keep going. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godly, godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. For there is one God one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. When Jesus came as a man, he paid the price for us to reconcile God and man. And that, in that scripture we just read, he says, listen, pray for all people, for everybody. Pray for leaders and those in authority. Can I just help you? Okay, I know this is, I'll just step on my little perch over here, but let me just tell you, just so I can help you, if you want to make it through this whole political season, pray. Pray. You know why? Because you can't hate somebody you pray for, but you can't pray for somebody you hate. So you got to decide what's the most important thing. If you want to do what God says, he says, listen, pray. Because God can draw people to him. Nobody's too far gone. Pray. Pray for people because God wants everyone to know him. So pray. All right. Here's another thing. Value the lost. Seems a little bit weird to say value the lost. But this is not, listen, church, Christianity, it's not a club. It's not a club like, yeah, it's our Christian club. No lost allowed. You know Jesus? Nope. Going to have to step away. This is Christian club. Christians only. Listen, there's times you need believers around you, yes. But we have to value the lost. 
You know why? Because God valued us when we were lost. Romans 5 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid the price for you before you ever even thought of serving him. For those who came to Jesus later on in life, he loved you at your worst point, just like he loves you right now. The Bible says it's kindness that draws people to repentance. It was God's kindness that led people to repent. Remember the story with the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. By, by the customs, she could have been stoned to death. That, was, that would have been the proper thing. It would have been okay. She was guilty. She was caught in the act of adultery. And when everybody was like, oh, get her, picking up their rocks, Jesus just stepped up and said, hey, that's fine, but whoever doesn't have any sin, you throw the first one. And every one of them started dropping their rocks. But you know what? Sometimes, as believers, we're quick to pick up rocks. We're quick to look at people who aren't living right or serving God or doing the right thing. We're quick to pick up the rocks. Say, nope. Can I tell you, people are not going to change because you point out their faults. People are going to change when you point them to something better. Just telling people they're wrong doesn't do anything. It's okay to say, hey, that's not the right thing. Here's a better way. But lead them to something. Lead them to something better. And that's a relationship with Jesus. Just just standing out there telling people how wrong they are, it's not going to change anybody. They get enough of that. They need to be told, hey, even in your stuff, God loves you, and he'll help you. He can change you. He can set you free from that. That's why we do this. We embrace first. We're going to embrace people that don't even love Jesus. We'll embrace them anyway. Because then they'll come to know him. Look at Luke 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other Notorious sinners. Notorious. Let me just say, big time sinners. Well-known sinners. Often came to hear Jesus speak. Listen, if Jesus is demeaning people, they're not coming back. They often came to hear Jesus speak. He had a message of love. Did he still have a strong standard of right? Yes, but he had a way of loving people where they are and then taking them from there to a healthy place. Look at the next, the next scripture. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So here's Jesus associating with those people. And the Pharisees are all complaining because those aren't the kind of people you should be with. In other words, we are better. They, they're not living right. They don't deserve your time. But Jesus demonstrated something totally different for us. We still need to spend time, a lot of time with people heading our, the same direction. But listen, you can't close yourself off from the world. You know why? 
Because you have Jesus. You have what they're looking for. You can't just decide, nope, nobody, nobody in. You got you to gotta let God, what he's doing in you, let him do it through you to help other people. That's what he wants. He wants, he, wants to, he wants to minister to other people. Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Jesus traveled through the towns and villages that area, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had what? He had compassion on them because they were confused. They were helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. So here's what Jesus says. There's all these people around. And they're running around and, they, and they're helpless and they're confused. And, and they're just going, they're just everywhere. And Jesus said he had compassion because he saw that. Man, they, they don't understand. They're helpless. They're confused. He had compassion on them. He didn't just say, you yeah, I'll tell you why you're confused. You know, he didn't do that. He had compassion. He goes on to say, listen, the harvest, man, it's, it's, it's ready. But we need laborers. We need workers to go into the field and speak. Help people. Show people Jesus with your life. Teach people. Let them see. John 13, 35 says that we'll, they'll know that we belong to Jesus by our love for one another. When we can love people where they are, I'm telling you, I promise you, I promise you, this is from the Lord. These four words are from the Lord. And when he spoke to us about these, it was embrace people, but it never stopped there. He didn't just say, Scott, I just want you to embrace people. That's all I want you to do. He said, I want you to embrace them because as you embrace them, you will have the opportunity to encourage them. And as you encourage them because you love them and you embrace them, you will begin to have the opportunity to equip them with what they need to change their life. And when you equip them, then you'll be able to empower them to go out and embrace people so they can encourage people and they can equip and empower people. So then those people can go out and it just goes on and on and on. It flows from us to them to them to the next person to the next person to the next person. It's a continual cycle, but you'll never really be able to reach them if you don't first love them. And Jesus demonstrated that. He put value in the lost. All right? So listen, when, when someone's, when you know someone is lost, allow the Lord to help you. Allow the Lord to help you. Allow the Lord to give you a heart for what it means when someone's lost in the sea. They need, they need to be found. It's not up to you to fix them. But God may want to use you. The lost are still valuable. Let's don't get caught up in all the people we have in here and forget about all those that are out there without hope. I'll never forget, we were with some friends at the beach. Meg was really little. And we were all in the water. And we're just right there on the shore. I mean, on the, uh, where the water just comes up on your feet. You know, real, not real deep. And we're all standing in the, in the ocean and we're, having a good time, laughing, joking around. And then all of a sudden, we look, and somebody mentions, where's, where's Meg? And for those who don't know, Meg is my youngest. Um, she's 10 now, but she, at that time, she was probably five or six. 
And uh, we can't find her. I feel it. We did find her. I don't know why I'm feeling this. But we looked. And panic hits. And we start searching the water because, you know, it was at Myrtle Beach, so it's not clear water. Or not, well, not, not, actually it wasn't. It was a <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. But anyway, it was, we couldn't see. And we started looking everywhere. We couldn't find her. She was nowhere around. And everybody started to get a little bit, like it got real quiet and real, like, serious there for a minute. And all of a sudden, I looked, and, and way down, I mean, way down the beach, like I'm talking to where those houses are almost, across the field, I see this little dot. And, I, and I'm telling you, I, I just, I thought, is that her? And as soon as that happened, I started going that way. And I'm not known for my speed. But, you know, when it's your daughter, you have a little more speed. But God gives the wife even more speed. <laughs> and I'm running towards her. And all of a sudden, this gust of wind, this tornado <laughs> comes past me. And Patty runs. And she gets there before I do, and she just falls to her knees and she just grabs her. And Meg's crying. She's scared. And what happened is, you know how you kind of, you drift a little bit. And she had started to, and then she saw an umbrella that looked kind of like the one that we had, but it was further down. And she thought it was ours, so she took off that way. Only to realize it wasn't ours. And when she saw that that wasn't us, she was so far gone, she didn't know where she was. Do you know what a horrible, horrible feeling that was? And do you know what a horrible dad I would have been if I said, well, thank God we still got two other kids. <laughs> but can I tell you something? That's what we do in the church sometimes. We get so caught up in the ones that we do have, we're forgetting about the ones that are dying out there. We're forgetting about the ones who are looking around, they're lost, and they're all by themselves, and they have no, no family, they have nothing. And we're caught up in our little world, doing our little thing, Making sure life is good for us. And there's people out there that on the inside, they have that feeling. They have that feeling that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And God is saying, could you just allow me to give you a heart to see the loss like you would see little Meg way down the beach. And say they're worth it and they're valuable. And if we got to go that way a little bit, then we'll go that way. We won't compromise our, our beliefs and our morals and our standards. But if we got to step out of our little comfort zone to reach somebody, can I just tell you it's worth it? It was worth it for Meg to see her mom run and grab her to say it's going to be okay. We weren't like, well, she knows she could come here and we'll be, we'll be here for her. We had to go get her. You're not going to fish unless you go find the fish. You can fish in your house all day long. You won't catch nothing unless you have an aquarium. <laughs> Otherwise, but you'll catch nothing. you got to go where the fish are. And outside of this building, there's fish out there. And God has told us, I am allowing you and I am helping you to become a fisher of men. To go out and let me use you to reach people that need me. Because God is in heaven saying, I want all of these people in my family. 
all of these people and you're in my family, would you go tell them I want them in my family? Would you go encourage them to come into this family? Tell them I'll provide everything they need. I'll help them. I'll heal them. I'll strengthen them. I'll do whatever. I will, I will be there, God. I'll be their father. You know what? I don't want to rush this. We'll finish that. We'll finish the next two next week. But let me just tell you this. We're just going to stay here today. We need the Lord to break our hearts. Not in a mean way. But I mean the hard-heartedness that makes us just look at us. That callous heart that forgets that there's people out there that are hurting. Lord, help us to see people the way you see them. And can I tell you, I have grown up in the ministry all my life. All my life I've been in ministry. My dad was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. My uncles and aunts. I have so many pastors in my family. We never eat a, a, a hot meal. They pray forever. <laughs> At Thanksgiving, oh, we're so thankful with God for the, and it's just, whoa, it's just the, all preachers. I love them. <laughs> In case they're listening. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes we can get caught up in what's familiar and forget that, you know what? God is saying, listen, I want you to go out there and I want you to make a difference. I'm not saying you have to go out of your way to do all this, but I'm talking about as you live your life, as you live your life, we allow the Lord to just use you you don't have to know how to do it you don't have to be a professional you don't have to know all the scriptures in Romans all you have to be able to say is listen all I can tell you is this God that's changed my life and is still changing my life will change yours I don't have all the answers I may not be able to tell you exactly what verse and what what passage but I can tell you this I know God loves you because he loves me and I know he'll take care of you because he's taking care of me we need, our, we need our hearts to be, to be focused on the Lord and then allow the Lord to help us focus on what he sees. And he sees a world that still, he still wants. He still wants people to come to know him. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This message was really strong for me too. Because I spend all of my days, my, my, my job, I work with all Christians. I, don't, I haven't hired any non-Christians at the church. Obviously. So I'm with Christians all the time. But you know what? I'm realizing that every restaurant I go to, every event I go to, Every high school football game I go to, I'm looking around. I'm thinking, Lord, these people, they need you. And I want this church to make it very difficult for people to go to hell. They're going to have to want to because we are going to so love them and so point them to Jesus that they'll, they'll know we... We've had all these opportunities. 
But it starts with us saying, God, what you're doing in me, Lord, let, I want you to do it through me. You don't have to wait till you're fixed to minister to people. It's okay to say, hey, I'm growing. Come grow with me. But I don't care if they come sit on this brown chair. I'd rather you go sit in their house and lead them to Jesus. Because the truth is, what I said earlier, some people don't accept Jesus because they met a Christian. There are some people, they're never going to step foot in the church. And if we have the church as their hope, then they're going to be hopeless. But if we will bring Jesus to people, and again, it just starts with deciding right now, God, I want to live my life in a way that people see you. Change the way I talk. Change the way I act. Change the things I do. Whatever that's not right in me, I want you to fix it. Because I want to honor you in a way that the, the world sees you. In me. And they want to they want to they want to they want to know you. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to go witness anybody this week. But I'm asking you to let God open your heart. I'm asking you to let God say, listen, I want to give you, I want to give you a heart. I want you to feel what God's heart feels. I want you to see people through God's eyes. I've been guilty. We've all been guilty. We, we judge so much on the surface. And I get it. I know there's those scriptures that say, well, you can tell a, a tree by its fruit. I get that. But can I tell you, sometimes, sometimes there's things that just hurt. And there's life that just happens. And if we're so quick to judge on the outside, then, then we're going to determine before we ever open our mouth, well, they're not, they ain't going to want anything to do with God. I'm not going to tell you now, but I'm telling you, I can tell you a story about a guy that told me in my face he wanted nothing to do with God and that I better never talk about God. And I work for this man. And he said, I don't want to. It was just me and him and one other person, just three of us on shift at the same time, the same car or truck. And he said, I don't ever want to hear any words about God. Do you understand me? I'll fire you if I do, if you do. I said, all right. At the end of that, without going into any details, at the end of that, all I did is work. And I, honestly, the first day I went home and told my dad, I'm quitting. That dude is psycho. And my dad said, you committed. Listen, just finish. Just work for the summer like you said. If you come back next year between school and you want to work, you can. But if not, I won't make you. But you started, you got to finish. And I worked. And I was mistreated. And I was made fun of. And I was laughed at. But at the end of that, all I did is work. And at the end of that, he said, you're the first Christian, the first that I've ever met, that I believe you. I tried everything. And he never stepped in, in a church for 30 years. And that next week, I, I'm speaking at a church. And he walks in, and he sits in the back, and he hears the gospel. Why? Because one person said, can't say nothing but I can say something I can live it that's all I'm asking will you live it will you just say God use me use me at work use me at home Lord use me while I'm driving use me when I'm getting coffee use me when I'm going to Chick-fil-a or McDonald's or or salad places just use me just use me God just use me I promise you he will because God says this I will bring people to you I want them saved so bad 
If you'll let me use you, I'll bring them to you. I'm looking for people. The harvest is ready. I'm looking for people that I say, my heart is open, God. You can use me. You can use me. God, I'm sorry that I've not been so focused on the lost. 